The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Latter-day Lives podcast. My name is Sean Rapier. I am your host. This is episode number 18, and our very special guest in studio this week is Ryan Shoup of Ryan Shoup and the Rubber Band. Ryan Shoup is an amazingly talented musician. He's a singer, he plays fiddle, and is just incredible. And Ryan is taking part in something we kind of teased last week, which is the uh, Light the World initiative that the church has. And so we're not only talking about Ryan's life, we're also talking about what they're doing for the church's Light the World initiative. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that too at the end. This week in my Latter-day Life, we're going to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving and complaining. And uh, I've got a challenge to share with all the listeners. And one other point of business before we jump into the interview, we have had some sound issues with the podcast. I'm learning all this. I'm still new at it. And unfortunately, we've had a, a couple of episodes I've been a little bit frustrated because either people have come across as echoey or just maybe the sound wasn't that great. Thank you for sticking with us, that notwithstanding. But we have made some nice investments. Hopefully it's coming through on this recording right now. I want to thank my friend Nick Galetti. Nick is uh, kind of a legend in Utah podcasting. He's done hundreds upon hundreds of episodes of podcasts. Uh, He's got a big interview coming up on LDS Perspectives. So Nick has become a good friend and steered me towards some new equipment. He's an amazing sound engineer, and he put up with my 150 texts of what about this microphone and what about that. So thank you to Nick, and hopefully we'll have a better overall sound experience coming up for you. So that's pretty much it. Uh, Again, thank you so much for being here. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. studio in the Latter-day Live studio. By the way, it's good to be back in the Latter-day Live studio. We've been on remote the last uh, And oh, what a studio it is. Oh, it's an impressive studio, right, (laughs) Ryan? This is what's embarrassing. This is why I hate having musicians in here, is because you're used to real studios. This is, well, the listener doesn't have to know. We're surrounded by incredible equipment. Incredible preamps, pianos. I mean, there's... everything in this place. It's very impressive. So this is why I don't post photos of the actual studio. But my guest in studio today, nonetheless, is the incredibly talented uh, musician, Mr. Ryan Shoup. Ryan, how are you? Well, hello. I'm doing just fine. Well, this is a special episode. Uh, Ryan has taken part in the campaign of Light the World. And you're going to see a lot about that from the church. It's uh, using the hashtag light the world and Ryan's got some special events coming up and we're just glad we get to participate in it. It's pretty special for us as well. Uh, but we're going to talk about that at the end. First of all, we are going to get to know Ryan Shoup. So Ryan, tell us a little bit about uh, who is Ryan Shoup? Where did you grow up? Tell us about your family. Give us the rundown. Well, I grew up in Ogden, Utah, which is, I don't know, kind of the more northern part of Utah. So I have one family that was a kind of a ski family. My uh, grandpa owned the lodge at Snow Basin. And I oh, actually, no yeah, there's a ski resort, Snow Basin. And I actually looked it up on Wikipedia and I thought it was interesting. The only person it mentions is my grandpa. 
It's like, oh, wow. That's really neat. Yeah. It's like, there's an owner of Snow Basin. It was originally owned by Aaron Ross. And I was like, what the, that's my grandpa. Awesome. And so there you go. So I grew up skiing. Uh, my family's kind of a ski family, kind of adventurers. And that's probably why I stayed in Utah as opposed to moving to, yeah. you know, a more music city because I just love skiing and mountain biking and hiking and all that thing, all that stuff. And then um, the music side was my, uh, I'm a fifth generation fiddle player on the, on the other side of my family. My fifth generation. Yeah. Crazy, a lot yeah. of fiddling going on. A lot so of dancing. So was it kind of just expected? Uh, it was just kind of, yeah, I, I think it was just kind of what you, you did. I mean, I've only been, you know, playing fiddle. I mean, I've only been walking, you know, three years longer than I've been playing fiddle, right? So, you know, it's <laughs> a great way to put it. That's it's, it's, it's pretty much in our blood. Uh, I think that my grandma, my grandma, I know my grandma had a dance band and she played a lot around. A lot of people knew her. And then my dad decided that he wanted to teach me some fiddling stuff and he kind of latched onto this this bluegrass music stuff. Yeah. And he just, I don't know, really liked that. So he just started us playing, uh, you know, bluegrass-y music, you know, instruments and stuff. So and was it just it. a hobby for your dad, or did your dad play, like, play in bands? You know, it's funny. My dad always says, you know, oh, I'm not a... I'm not a good fiddler, you know, or I don't, I don't really play the piano. He's always saying that, but it's strange. You know, the other day I came down and he stopped by my house and he was playing the piano and I, I just was sitting there listening to him like, wow, he's like really good. But it's funny whenever you ask him, he's like, oh, I don't do that, you know? Yeah. So, but he, he plays, he plays some fiddle and he plays, you know, piano. I think mostly what he does is he's very driven and he's very focused, which is Sometimes not what I am as much, <laughs> but he got me up to play and practice two hours before school ever since I was no five up until, you know, probably up when I started high school. Then he kind of moved on to my younger siblings. So, so that, first, first of all, and I've got to follow up on that, but first of all, how many siblings are there? Uh, well, there's, there's five total. There's a, uh, uh, I'm, I'm the oldest and then I have a brother and then two uh, three sisters, and the the last sister actually we, we adopted, and so she's our oh very cool. She's our adopted sister. And That's we, awesome. We love her. That's great, great. Um, and then, did any of your siblings are any of your siblings in music professionally? Well, my brother plays the banjo. My sister, other sister, plays the mandolin and the fiddle and some guitar. And then my other sister, you know, she plays a handful of things. And yeah, the last one she did some, and her kids are playing, but not as much. Is me. I think, um, yeah, they all do various different things and play in different bands to some degree yeah. or other. But none of them are pursuing it like as a full time career. Uh, I don't think any of them are doing it as a full time career yeah. right now. I know my one sister, uh, the oldest sister, she's probably the most interested in it. So she's making some CDs and stuff. So I think she probably would, you know, she probably wants to tour around and does tour around as you know, more than the others, but they all play in bands. So I think it's, you know. So there's got to be something musical in DNA because there are a lot of families like yours where you hear they're all musical. And then you've got families like mine, the most non-musical family. I cannot think of anybody in any of my family line that has remotely any musical talent at all. So there's got to be something, or maybe it's just the culture. I don't know. There must be, you know, that I've never actually heard anybody say it that way. Like, you know, some people just say, oh, he's a natural, but you're saying, oh, there's something in your DNA. I'm like, well, I guess that's probably true, right? Could be. Like, I think that, you know, I think you, you might 
be right. There's, I think there's, I know some musicians who work really hard. Yeah. And you can become, you know, a mega bazillionaire, the most famous guy in the world and be like an average musician. That, auto-tune. That, With auto-tune, anyone can do it, right? Well, that's kind of strange <laughs> to say, but, you know, if, if yeah. you're, you know, if you're creative and maybe you, you know, are really great on stage or you're a great people person, you know, you can, you can do a lot of things with if you just work really hard. Sure. Right? That makes sense. And then there's there's these other musicians that actually, you know, probably a lot of these guys, most people don't know, like the best musicians, the studio musicians yeah, that makes and sense. stuff. You know, there's, those aren't always the ones that make it to the most prominently well-known, you know, especially since, you know, we have such media-driven... Right. I was going to say a lot of it is persona and... You know, the person that you put out there and then also who the record companies decide to back. Right? It's like you got to be like super hot. Yeah. And like really, you know, no, I'm just kidding. But you I, know what I mean? But there is something that goes along with that, right? See, I think being so... That sounds really I, I think, shallow, I doesn't think, it? I think myself being so super hot, if I only had a little bit of a voice, I could have <laughs> made it. I really could have done it. So, so question on you practicing every morning. Uh, was that something you loved? Or did you resent it? Did you grow to love it? How did you feel about it? I didn't really know any different. Oh, okay. That, like yeah. when you were a kid, like when your parents, you know, like uh, probably everybody has different things they do, but maybe they don't. Like it would be like someone saying, oh, my, my parents woke up every day and fed me oatmeal. And then you're like, what? We just ate cold cereal. How yeah. was that? And he's like, well, I didn't know any different. I just yeah. ate oatmeal. I just, I just thought, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. So I mean, when you're, when you're five, it's not like you're like, well, everybody around the world doesn't do this. You know, you just yeah. think, oh, well, I guess that's but what at some point you get to school, maybe it's seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, whatever. And you're asking your friend, how was your practice this morning? And <laughs> what you don't practice? Like at some point did it dawn on you that Oh, I'm at some, really... At some point when I wasn't able to watch cartoons before school, I started thinking, wait a second, yeah. I can't watch cartoons before <laughs> school. But um, I didn't think too much about it. I don't... I think maybe I blocked out a lot of that, yeah. you know, like greeting up early. I don't like to get up early. Probably sure. stunted my growth a little bit. You know, there's probably all sorts of... But I did learn to play music, so that was good. And that's what put you here, right now, here. Now, what's strange is I've had this conversation about the DNA thing. I have a really uh, – we were having this conversation like, do you need to get your child to play at five years old in order for them to be amazing, right? And so we started debating about that. And there's a guy I know um, who's like a, an amazing guitar player, and he actually is an amazing mandolin. In fact, he's the – International Association of Bluegrass Music. Um, he's the guitar player of the year. Oh, no way. And I wow. think he told me that he had never played the guitar before he was 15 years old. Oh, my gosh. His parents just bought him a guitar. And it was one of those things where I think he just got it. And all of a sudden, he just like, I'm good at this. So I think yeah. it's possible that you could just be the LeBron James of guitar. Sure. And, there has to be, right? And I mean, you just, we're all given gifts. Right, and then you just all of a sudden, like, someone hands you a basketball, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm, like, really good at this. You know, so I think that that's possible. But then that doesn't change the amount of dedication necessary to take it to that next level, which you have. I mean, you've you've really gone to the next level. And you play how many instruments? Well, most everything is kind of a labor of love, right? Like, everybody says, oh, I want to be something. Like, yeah. oh, it would be awesome to be a professor. But then it's like, 
but you have to go to school and do all the research. And Or I want to be a doctor, but then there's all the, you know, there's everything, yeah. no matter what you do, there's always sides of it that you might not yeah. like. So you have to do the end thing for the love of it that yeah. you really my, love. My friend Chris and I one night were watching uh, Ultimate Fighting and a guy came on who was just pure muscle. Nothing but muscle. And he goes, man, I would give anything to look like that guy. I said, oh my gosh, me too. Well, you know, except for the exercise and the eating right and the getting up right. and all that. I wouldn't do that, but I'd do anything else. And I think a lot of us feel that way. Like, I'd love to play guitar or, you know, and something. that guy's probably thinking, I would do anything to just be able to eat a brownie <laughs> now and then or whatever, you know. The like, annual brownie. <laughs> he's definitely, you know, I, that's funny because I, I would see these buff guys at the gym and I would think, oh, man, I, I want to look like that guy. But then I started to realize, wait, every time I go to the gym, that guy's there. He must every be time. at the gym yeah. all day, every day. Sure. Well, no wonder. So you were the you were the buff guy of music. You were constantly <laughs> doing it. You are a musically buff guy. So I'm you, musically buff. So so when was your first? So you're learning all these. How many how many instruments do you play? Well, I play. I started on the violin uh, and the the violin slash fiddle. Meaning, a lot of people don't really know the difference. Violin is the instrument. Uh, fiddle is kind of technically the stylistic things you you play but what i've kind of described it as is the violin is kind of classical when you think of classical yeah. but everything else kind of falls into fiddle right like there's irish music and cajun yeah, music sure. and old time fiddle music i hadn't and, thought of it that way but yeah that's all really fiddle it's all kind of fiddle so it's it's I mean, it is violin. It's the same instrument, really. It's just yeah. kind of a style. So there thing. are no differences. Like when, if you wanted to play the fiddle style, you want to play bluegrass or you want to play Celtic or whatever, you would not go buy a different instrument. You're say, getting the same violin that someone in, you know, whatever, yep. you know, sym- symphony orchestra would be playing. Same instrument, yeah. I mean, there's a little, there's variations and stuff you find, but overall, it's pretty much just the same you know, the same instrument. And violin as straight violin. How are you as a classical violinist? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. I mean, they're just different. They're just different. Just different uh, technique. Different skill sets. Yeah. I'm I'm actually, you know, a pretty decent classical player. Uh, it, it A lot of it comes down to, um, I think it, I think the bowing is like a big difference between mm. fiddling and classical yeah. because the bowing rhythms in fiddle are... Which is how you apply the bow to the strings. Yeah, that's yeah. probably the big difference between fiddling and classical. But um, yeah, I'm a I'm a pretty oh, I'm an okay classical player. Um, but I think I'm kind of like you know probably one of the more well versed uh, like versatile. Yeah. I can I can play like jazz and Cajun and you know all sorts of stuff. And so. that actually comes through in your music. I mean, you guys. I, I mean. It's a little you ADD have, kind of thing. You have, <laughs> I wouldn't have called it like that, but well, and I will say that traditional violin is beautiful and blue or bluegrass or fiddle, whatever fiddle is a lot more fun. We had a, uh, we have a son, uh, miles who we took to Disneyland one time and we saw Billy Hill and the hillbillies mm-hmm. was a, a performing show there. And as soon as it ended, he said, I want to learn that instrument. Mm-hmm. And we said, well, you know, that's a violin. And I think he felt a little duped when he came home. We started him on violin. He was like, well, when do I get to start playing the fiddle, though? Like, right. Well, you have to learn, you know, the basics. Right? Why he needs to come take lessons from me. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, the the fiddle is is just, yeah, it's just 
it's a strange yeah, thing. It's, it's a lot of fun. But I mean, I am allowed to play in church sometimes, so it's not like that's awesome. It's not like it's all like. Do you, can ever, you play a song like? <laughs> you know, I I can do play. Do you get some, tempted during church to bust out into that? Well, that's kind of my um, you know classic where I kind of break out the classical ish kind yeah, of thing. Sure, but you know, um, yeah, I don't typically sure, break out into of dance music in the middle. of... <laughs> Middle of sacrament meeting. Um, so I started on the fiddle, yeah. the violin, and then I started playing mandolin, which is the same fingering as violin, but then oh, you learn to pick. Know that. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there, I thought, well, I didn't know how to pick, so I started playing guitar. And then from guitar, you know, then I started adding other things like uh, the octave mandolin or the bass. And uh, there's the banjo, which is kind of strange. It's a very strange instrument, but I play that one. And the dobro, which is kind of a weird slide guitar. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, it's really strange. And I actually played Belalaika, which is a Russian instrument. Wow. On the recent Meet the Mormons soundtrack. So when oh, they go no to kidding. Russia and you hear the little thing going, guess who? That's Me. you. No kidding. <laughs> oh, I'm famous. <laughs> Meet the Mormon himself is what we should call it right there. <laughs> Do you play any non string instruments? Uh, yeah, I play some piano. Yeah. You know, I think uh, anybody who composes music and does stuff, they usually will end up playing the piano to some degree. I mean, I'm yeah. not like. You know, some crazy piano player, but you know, that's I can, awesome. Can play that's so much talent. At what point did you realize you could sing? Because you you not only play, you sing. Well, you know, everybody can sing. Right? No, that's not true. I can't sing. I was told by a vocal instructor after five lessons that I'm the first person she has ever met who no. cannot sing. Haven't you seen Elf? I am tone deaf. No, I am. It's true. You I just, have been told by multiple people that I will never sing and I cannot sing. What does he say? Just open your... It's like talking, but with like <laughs> you know, whatever. Oh, don't get me wrong. I can go through the mechanics of singing. I just can't hit a note. I'm tone well, deaf. Well, that's the que- The question is, are you a good singer? You know. Yeah. Okay. So everybody, yeah, everyone with a voice can sing. Everybody but, can yeah. sing. Everybody hums tunes, and everybody. That's just our natural. When you were a kid, when you were a little kid, you sang songs. You, yeah. But no one would buy my records. You are a singer. You're a true singer. When did you realize you had a voice for singing? Well, I just wanted to. I just mm. liked. Okay. I liked. I liked writing songs, and I liked singing. So I just wanted to. Yeah. And so um, I just did. When did you first perform? What was your first like actual performance? Well, see, I've been touring in bands since I was ten, so my first performance was ten. probably, um, you know, when I was. I mean, I can barely remember when I was a little kid playing at uh, some big show, and I think I remember this one specifically because I kind of forgot my violin part, and I was like. Could, oh, no. I couldn't remember, and I stopped, and I was like, what's the next part? And That's everybody's I, worst nightmare. And I started again, and then I stopped. And it was kind of, a, you know, now looking back, I was like kind of horrified. But now looking back, I'm like, oh, it's fine. You're just a little kid. Yeah, you know? you're a kid. But, um, so you started performing young. How did you, I mean, was it with a family friend band, or how did you get to performing when you're 10? Well, my dad, this goes back to my dad, who was loving this bluegrass music. So he thought, well, you know what, the best way for for my children to learn to play is to start them in a band because that's mm. really actually a really great way to, sure. yeah, to you know, improve sense. your skills because then you interact with other kids. You're able to arrange songs. You, you learn that, you know, you know, to sing and play at the same time and, you know, all that stuff. So uh, he started this band. Um, it was called the Pee Wee Pickers, which is like a little... <laughs> what a great name. Like a little the miniature... Pee Pickers. Yeah, a little <laughs> miniature because, you know, in Bluegrass they say, hey, there's a bunch of pickers over there. Let's go pick. 
you know, so the, we were the little the little peewee pickers. I love that. And so we actually traveled all over the country. We played at a bunch of bluegrass festivals back east. We went to the, the World's Fair. We actually ended up going to Europe. And um, if, if you know, like I look back and I think, man, if, if there was like America's Got Talent or any of those shows, I mean, we would have sure. been like, I mean, we were like. You would have mopped up. We were, well. <laughs> We were like these crazy little. I listen to the records now, and I'm like, I played that at ten. You recorded, so this was a full on band. Was it just siblings? Uh, no, it was five uh, unrelated kids. Wow. Um, the the banjo player, you know, went on to um, it's it's kind of a strange thing. There was two mandolin players that kind of swapped out, but the banjo player ended up going to um, Winfield, which is like the, I think is like kind of the the known best instrument contest. And I think he won banjo, mandolin, and guitar. Oh my gosh, wow. So he was like really crazy good. And then there was me. And then um, the other guy, Danny, uh, he was, so the banjo player was Matt Flinner. And then there was a kid named Dan Bates who ended up being a pilot. But he uh, he actually was phenomenal, phenomenal on the, the fiddle and the mandolin. And he ended up for a while in Nashville, like kind of touring around with some some country bands and stuff That's like that. Amazing. So, so you get these three little kids, and then the guitar player was was pretty dang good, and the bass player was you know awesome. And then you know we just have these little how great little munchkins. And I look back at the videos because at the time I didn't. You're just a little munchkin playing in there. Sure. Then I listen back to the recordings, and I just go. Oh my gosh, man! We must have been something to see because we we're like ripping it up. You yeah, know? little kids just playing. How long did you do that? Oh, I think we did that uh, since I was probably about ten to about fifteen. Yeah. Then we were too tall to be called Pee Wee Pickers anymore. It's not cute anymore to be the Pee Wee Pickers. Yeah. yeah. Some of, some of the members were you know kind of getting to the age where they were going on missions. Sure. Uh, you know, like in the LDS Church, of you know people yeah. you know about that time they kind of go on missions and stuff, and so kind of just disbanded and you know never looked back so you finish out high school and that life in ogden where did it take you from there well in high school you know i i kind of worked at some different places and stuff you know like you do and sure i just goofed around in high school and went to school and you know snowboarded a lot and skied a lot and you know did what what i would normally do but on the weekends i did play in some bands so since i was uh, you know a really good fiddle player sure uh, these you know, older bands, uh, you know, not necessarily older, but they weren't high school bands. They right. they needed a fiddle player. And so I could go on a weekend and make money. And at the time when I was a high schooler, you know, that's like a pretty, pretty, a lot amount, you know. Did you ever play as a high school student? Did you ever play in a place that was 21 and up or you were the only one under 21? Mm, I think I only did that a couple of times. Yeah. We, you know, most of the stuff we played was just kind of like, you know, you know, concert series in the parks and right, right, and sure. festivals yeah. and different things. That's what I kind of liked about that is that it didn't end up being kind of a you know a, a kind of a bar band. It was just awesome, m- more yeah. I don't know, family friendly kind of much better festivals sure. and stuff. So I kind of liked that uh, aspect of it. And so you did that through high school. You played in just various bands. Yeah, kind of a there was a bluegrass band that I played in called Powder Ridge. It was, you know, not really my brainchild. It was a brainchild of another guy. And he just, you know, it was actually me and the banjo player from that Pee Wee Pickers oh, band. We yeah, played in there. Cool. And actually, we won the Telluride Band Contest. Oh, So awesome. we were, you know, pretty yeah, good. good and, band. And we kind of toured around and played a lot of shows and stuff. I, you know, and as a high schooler, I was just, 
you know, I just didn't even know. I didn't, yeah, something to do. It's I was great. just like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> We're going to Telluride? Yeah, sure. You know, Getting I money for picking, it's great. I never thought of myself as a, being a musician when I got older. I just... Yeah, I just thought, oh, this is fun. Something to, to do. Get to time. travel around, make some money, and yeah. you know, and there was it was just fun. That's you know. great. Where did it take you from there? Well, after that, I you know, up until then, I wasn't really even you know singing tons. You know, I was just kind of singing in my You're own the backup guy. Yeah, I was just kind of playing. Yeah. Then I went on my, uh, you know, I went on a mission. Where did you serve your mission? I went to Portland, Oregon. Oh, what a great city. Portland is an awesome city. It is an awesome city. It's totally unique and weird, and yeah. the, the rain drove me nuts, but <laughs> I got I got stationed out, you know, east, and so I was kind of out of the rain, so I totally loved that. Yeah. Uh, and then I, um, you know, I had like a, you know, a couple members would have a guitar, and I'd say, hey, can I borrow that? And I would take it home, and I would kind of play it at night when we come back, and, you know, and I started kind of writing songs on my mission because... That's great. I don't know why, I just... You know, it was yeah. just like a kind of a way to kind of, you know, I don't know, gather my thoughts and stuff. Sure. And, um, you know, I didn't play tons or anything, but, uh, you know, it's not like I organized a band or something, on a mission or whatever. Right, but, right. you know, I just kind of played it some. And uh, so I kind of got a little more interest in playing guitar and singing in, you know. So then when I came home, I, um, you know, I kind of played in another band called Salt Licks. Salt Licks. Yeah. <laughs> great, is, great name for a Utah band. Yeah, so we were, sure. you know, Salt Licks, and we kind of thought it would be funny, like, oh, you know, you play some hot licks on the instruments. You know, it was like yeah. a little play on word, you know. So, yeah, fun. So whatever, but we um, we ended up kind of entering some different competitions, and we won a big competition, kind of like, it's called the International Bluegrass Showdown or something. That sounds prestigious. Yeah, it yeah it's a big deal. High, high, the international the International Highfalutin Showdown. Yeah. Big Wig Showdown. That's awesome. That's us, Big Wig. <laughs> And um, so we got kind of a, a little, you know, kind of mini record deal with the Bluegrass label. And we were kind of all thinking, oh, yeah. We're... It's exciting, a label. I mean, that's that's a big deal. Yeah, it was, whoa, it was big. And it was funny because that that was me. You know, it's funny how you kind of run in these musical circles. That was me and Dan, the guy from the oh, Pickers, yeah. we played in that band. Yeah. And then there was another guy, Craig, who actually now plays in uh, with me now in the, the rubber oh, band. Cool. And then a girl named April. And so we, you know, we played around and we toured around and we played at a lot of festivals and stuff. And then, um, you know, we kind of just kind of disbanded and uh, I just kind of thought, oh, I want a band that, that won't break up. Yeah. And so I was in college at the time. Where were you going to school? I was going to Weber State. Yeah, great school. And uh, I just thought, I mean, who doesn't want a band in college, right? Right. I still... At the time. You know, I'm going to say this. I still didn't know if I would play music you know, for my, you know, job. And what I would, you studying at I would actually put a little asterisk by that and say, I don't even know if I know now if that's what, I, <laughs> if that's still, what I'm going to keep doing. When but you grow up. Yeah. When I grow up, I don't, still don't know what I'm yeah. going to do. But as it stands right now, that's what I'm doing. So I, um, you know, I organized this band, but I, I, I found a gig, you know, and I, I, think, I think how it was coming down was, there was a gig. They needed to know how to advertise it on the poster, and I literally was kind of on the phone, like, "What, you know, what are you going to call your band?" And I was like, "I don't know. What should I call it?" I, I literally think my sister was like, "Ryan, call it like Ryan Shoop and the Rubber Band," 
because it's like flexible. Like you don't yeah. even know who's in the you band yet. You don't even know what's happening. Because I didn't really know who was in the band. Because oh, it funny. was kind of me just kind of saying like, yeah, I can come play that gig. Yeah, I got sure, a band. Of course we can. I got a band. I got a great <laughs> band. They're amazing. Yeah, they're totally amazing. And then You're I was gonna like, be blown away by my awesome band. But what I kind of figured was that I knew enough people, right? You know that I could kind of make this thing. So I was like, yeah, okay, we'll call it. Yeah, it's called Ryan Shoop and the Rubber Band. And then ever since then, it kind of stuck. So that was where Plus the it gets came to be from. your band. You get to put yourself forward now because you've yeah. been in these other bands. Now it's Ryan Shoop and the Rubber Band. Well, the main reason I started it was because I didn't want it to break up, and it hasn't broken up. So I guess yeah. that accomplished that goal. You get goal, to keep right? it all together. So it's how long? Like how many years has Ryan Shoop and the Rubber Band been? Well, it's been about twenty years. Amazing. It's yeah, that amazing. No, what's mostly amazing is that I say twenty years, like. Yeah. I just can't believe... That's a long time. Well, it's just one of those things where I just didn't even think that I'd be even be alive yeah. for 20 years, let alone yeah. have a band for 20 years. You know, I... Kind of just happens. It's just time just keeps on kind of ticking, right? So the band... So you put the band together. The band kind of takes off. I mean, really, one of the one of the things I love... There's a, there was a great review of you guys when, when I was doing a little homework for the show. There was a great review where it said you guys were bluegrass and picking before bluegrass and picking became cool again. Because <laughs> there's been kind of a, I think, you know, Mumford and & Sons and Dave Matthews and certain bands have come out and have really highlighted, you know, um, I saw Blues Traveler one time and they had some pickers out there that were just incredible. And, you know, there, there are some of these bands, I think Mumford & Sons more than any recently. Right, well... But, yeah. You had that claim to fame. They literally said you were that before it was even cool. Well, that is, you know, that's a funny thing. And I'll get back to that in a second. But it's like, you know, I hear this country stuff and, you know, it's like, oh, it's kind of cool. It's kind of rap. And they've got banjo in there. And I'm thinking, dude, I was doing that in like 98. <laughs> like what in the I mean, it, Yeah. And, and it, so it's just funny because... I saw this bluegrass stuff, and I, I liked rock music, basically. I mean, I yeah. liked that kind of stuff. Just not, you know, I mean, there's there's a whole gamut of rock music. So, right. you know, so to say rock is just kind of general. But I kind of like just that kind of mentality, um, you know, just kind of more band and kind of jammy and kind of just like about, you know, that. So, but so I had this idea, let's just, let's just make kind of a rock bluegrass band. Yeah. It's kind of like bluegrass instruments, but then make it like kind of rock but with bluegrass instruments. And I, I've seen you perform live. You guys jam. I mean, I'm sorry, you're a jam band. Like, you guys, yeah. you're musicians who love to play. There's yeah. a joy on stage when you guys play live. And I enjoy your music videos. I enjoy your music. Like, I love listening to your music, but I'm a live music guy. And there are bands I've seen who are disappointing. Like, you listen to them, you know, on, on a CD or on streaming or whatever, and they're great, and you love them. And then you see them live, and you go... Okay, you're a studio band. There's a lot of disappointing bands. Yeah, you, that's true. you are not just a studio band. What, seeing you guys live is like you just light up the stage. What's it like performing in front of thousands of people? Well, we have a rule that the number one rule in the rubber band is to have fun. So if you're not having fun, <laughs> Great rule. then you got to figure something out. I love playing in front of crowds. Um, you know, that is actually the most fun part. You know, that's the pinnacle of what we what what we do. Like, I just love it. It's like a... It's like creating something that only exists in that moment. And you have this connection with the audience and you're creating a, you know, a night of 
you know, a night for someone and you're sharing in this moment and it's just something magical that can't be, you just can't make it any other way. Yeah. That's just all there is to it. How, how many shows a year would you guess you do? Well, when we, you know, getting back to the, when the band started, we were early college kids and we bought this van uh, it was kind of like it's a great it's a great music story this is a great band story yeah it was like this black gold kind of disco van beautiful and it would only go like 35 miles an hour up the hills because it was yeah. perfect but, man and we called it the, the the comfort coach you know or something like that <laughs> and we just decided let's just go we're just gonna play tons of shows so we played i mean we toured we probably played 150 dates you know a year oh, for gosh. like a couple of years but we didn't I mean, it's great when you're young. Yeah, like I didn't have anything else to do. Like, what? What? Else, why? Why not? Yeah, it's like let me think. Let me let me look on my calendar. Oh, I don't have anything. So yeah. I guess let's just go. So we went and played, and that, that touring base kind of started making us more well known, and that right. that ended us up landing in uh, Austin, South by Southwest. We actually won this contest in Utah for like the oh wow South by Southwest contest. So we went there and so for our listeners, South by Southwest is as big as it gets in music. I mean, that's the South by Southwest festival is so massive now. I mean, it's just yeah it's become just incredible. It's massive. It's down in Austin. So we played there. We played at North by Northwest, which is like the variation of uh, up in Portland, I think. Oh, cool. Uh, and then, uh, but anyway, so we, you know, we met some people through there and then we ended up going to Nashville and playing some showcases. And then we ended up running to a guy named Jason Deere. You maybe know him. Um, I don't know that I know He kind of has, he, since then, he's started this Nashville tribute band. You ever heard of those guys? Oh yeah. The Nashville tribute band. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. so anyway, we ran into Jason and he was saying, oh yeah, man, let's, let's get you guys, you know, let's make a record and go get signed with a label. And we're just kind of like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. You why know, not? I mean, that's. You know, we actually went to Nashville to find a booking agency, like a real, legit booking agency, and then we met Jason, and we're like, "Oh, well, maybe oh, we should maybe we should record, try for a re- record deal." So, I mean, we'd already made a couple albums, so we went and recorded this record, and then we got signed to Capitol Records, which is awesome, huh. and they were like incredibly awesome and just totally cool, it's as big as it gets. And um, you know, un- unfortunately, like right in the in the promotion of our album. Like the promotion staff changed, like the one guy. Oh, who, that's rough. The one guy who loved us went to another label, and then, you know, half the staff left. And the staff is, if if you don't know how it works, this is why people always say, like, oh, just get a record deal. It's like it's so complicated because there's so many moving parts, you know. Sure. So the the promotion staff is the one that sells your record, right? So they have to love you. And they flew out to our show and came to our show and like, we love these guys. Then halfway through our album, they all, you know, one guy leaves and half of them are gone. And, oh, that's so tough. Um, and so it kind of, I think they, the new promotion guy probably, you know, maybe wasn't into us as much or whatever. And so, so um, but the, the label president loved us. And so he didn't want to hold us in there. So he just kind of said, well, you know, we'll just let you go. And so then we signed with some other labels. And since then, we've done a bunch of other stuff. But it was yeah. a super fun time. What a neat time. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And to say, hey, we got to do some some recording with Capitol Records. I mean, that's. Yeah, it was that's awesome. Amazing. You know, did, people, you ever, did you ever get to visit the Capitol building in L.A.? I've driven uh, by that so many times. I've seen it. Or it looks I, like a record needle on top. Yeah, I haven't been. I mean, I've seen it, but I haven't been into the place. Yeah. Well, that's a, what a neat, neat time. But yeah, I would, t- I mean, people ask that, well, why did you, you know, would you do that again? And I was like, oh, yeah, it was awesome. It was fun time. It yeah. was super fun. There was tons of stories and I made tons of great friends. People at the label were awesome. And we actually sold, you know, 
you know, we did pretty pretty darn good. Yeah. So I was actually quite surprised that we didn't work do it again. But now mm-hmm. that I kind of see how things work, it's kind of like, you know, you have to have the people in the spot. Right, right. Love you. So I think when that changed over, they, they kind of... Different people. They kind of shuffled around, but, you know... How, I, how many albums has Ryan Shoup and the Rubber Band released? So, um, man, that's a good question. <laughs> so we released... Um, if I Were a Bird was the first one. Right. This is maybe won't even matter or make sense anyway. Then we made one called Simplify. Mm-hmm. Then we did a live CD because we were kind of jamming and touring sure. around. And then we did a Christmas CD because we yeah. just started playing Christmas music. And then I think we got signed to Capitol. So then we released Dream Big. Yeah, which Dream Big, that was around 05. That was huge. Yeah, it was a really yeah big album. And then we did another album with another label in Nashville um, called Last Man Standing. That one did um, pretty good. It has some awesome stuff on there. And then we kind of released a kind of a fan favorite album called Brand New Shoes. Oh, it had cool. a lot of our quirky stuff. Yeah. Like it has like... Fun stuff. Like, yeah, some weird stuff like... Yeah, just it's <laughs> kind of a weird album. And then the newest one is We Wrote On. Yeah, and We Wrote On, I will say having listened... So that's eight. So having... I'm glad you counted that because I wasn't counting throughout it, but... Um, we wrote on, there is a musical maturity that you can hear from your albums from the beginning. Maybe you don't hear it as much as me, an outsider listening, mm-hmm. but We Wrote On has some of the most beautiful moments in it. Like that album is inspiring. It feels like it's a very positive, very driven album. I don't know. It's just a beautiful album. I really, really like We Wrote On. Well, there's definitely a theme. People, you know, I get when we go to do interviews and stuff. Um, people ask, well, what's your, you know, what's your deal, you know? And I've realized that the music world, you know, like a lot of entertainment, sometimes people like to spend time on the, you know, the edgy, you know, yeah. that's what you always hear about people. I'm more edgy this album. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, really? Like everybody's more edgy on their next <laughs> album, right? It's just such a cliche thing to say. Like, you know, I'm just, you just, just wait for it. What's your new album going to be? Just wait, wait, wait. It's like. It's going to be more edgy. You know what I mean? But yeah. our my thing has always just been like, you know what? I just unabashedly think that I I think we promote positivity. You yeah. Know? And and that, that album is very much so. I mean, it's a feel-good, fun, happy, positive al- album. I mean, you have certain times when you're not, you know, you're having a rough day or whatever. Of but course. as the most, you know, general sense, you know, it's like, I think I'm a pretty positive person, so... The music violin can be depressing, but I don't know that fiddle can. <laughs> like it's hard to be sad. And let me play you a very sad fiddle song. I can't imagine what a sad sad fiddle song would be. Yeah, it's hard when you get the banjo in there plunking around, and you know yeah. it's generally yeah, kind of it's, it's happy music. But you know the thing is, I, that's what I want people to come away from the concert. I want them to leave their worries and come to right. a show and have a time where they can forget about what's going on for the moment and just enjoy themselves. And, you know, go away from it thinking like, hey, you know what? Things are going to be okay, you know? Oh, that's a great message. So you still do a ton of nights. I mean, you are just playing, gigging all the time. How do you balance personal life with being gone and doing so much? Um, yeah, we do tour around a lot. We get back east every once in a while for anybody in back east. Uh, you know, we um, you know, we're, we've, we talked about going to Europe, but I don't know how that's going to work mm. out, but... Uh, you know, I think for me, it's just, you know, we just pick, uh, I think lately we've kind of picked less of the, uh, 
we don't tour quite as much just simply because yeah you know we just do most up, of the band members have wives kids yeah well in the olden days of course you'd just say like yeah we're going out to you know some festival and you know, we're playing at another festival the next week. Let's just route a bunch of dates in between. Why not? We don't have anything else to yeah. do. Now we end up playing, you know, we'll go to a, we might fly somewhere like, you know, like to Maine and play a festival. And then instead of just hanging out on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, just playing some random dates, unless they make a ton of sense, we might just fly home. Yeah. Then the next weekend we might, you know, play a festival in Colorado or whatever. So that's kind of what we do. So we end up having a fair amount of time with family um, in the weekdays. So that's kind of nice. No, that's great. That's great. How do you balance how do you balance it all? Like church calling, you know, your own personal life, everything. I mean, how do you how do you make that all work? Well, if you're a musician, generally you don't get like a really extensive church calling because they kind of look at you kind of cross-eyed like <laughs> No, I sure. Like I no, I'm just kidding, but uh yeah, I mean you know, people just know that I travel, so I usually don't get a calling that, yeah. you know, is like dependent on me being there every week. So I usually end up, you know, getting a, a teacher calling so I can, you know, juggle the schedule or... Yeah, I'm the same way. Right now, I'm like the YSA, the young single adult, um, you know, coordinator for my ward. So, oh, cool. you know, I'm supposed to kind of keep track of those crazy kids and, you know, we plan parties and, you yeah, know, may, it's probably a good calling for me because I'm probably less mentally, you know, mature than most of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of feel like I'm, you know, I kind of feel like my 11-year-old is, like, more mature than me sometimes. You know, she's <laughs> always like, Dad, Well, stop. And that takes us into your family. Tell us about your family. Well, I have an 11-year-old daughter. She's quite um, bright and, you know, you know, happy and accomplished at almost anything she does and then i have a a son trevor and he's you know he you know they're all they're all the same they're all really awesome and really positive kids i don't know where they where they i mean they did they get the music genes you know they're all yeah they um they really do like music um i think they did they're you know they're playing some i'm not getting them up every morning to practice because i just don't know if i have that yeah in me (laughs) but um but they are playing so she's playing um violin and piano and then my second one the boy is playing violin piano and then now the third one you know he's only you know pretty young he's starting to play violin fun and then the youngest one is playing some piano and violin and they all sing and they all your youngest uh she's about let's see she's about six yeah Awesome. Five, six kind of range. Awesome. I think she turned six maybe in January, you know, so. What a neat family. Yeah, they're, they're, they're amazing. They're, they're such good kids, you know. They're, you know, so smart. Of course, everybody always talks about their kids that way, right? So Sure. <clears throat> no, that's, that's exciting stuff. So you are fairly well known, too, for your Christmas music. I mean, you have a fairly iconic picture of your band with you with the Santa hat going and everything. Yeah. What, what, what is it about Christmas and Christmas music? That you love so much. Well, of course, you know, Christmas is, you know, just such a fun time. And for me, it used to be, it used to be, and I don't know if anybody else is this way, it used to be that all of a sudden I would turn around and be like, oh, wait, is Christmas next week? Because I would just (laughs) kind of forget about it. I'm just doing my stuff. And, you know, and so as we started doing more shows, what I like most about it is that it really gets me in the Christmas spirit. Like I just, before it was almost like gone before it was here. 
I don't know if that makes sense. Like it just kind of snuck up sure. on me so fast. And so now playing all these, all these shows and doing all these different things, it kind of, it's like, it makes it kind of a little more like substantial. It's like really busy. And I kind of like that though, like being out and doing That's music neat. and playing songs. And it's just, yeah, it's just tons of fun. Yeah. Really fun. And your music, when you do actual Christmas songs, there's something about picking or something about the fiddle and Christmas music that just goes together so naturally. Well, our Christmas show is not the typical Christmas show in that it's probably a little more, I don't know, jovial. Yeah, it's you know festive. How it's very festive. Like, yeah. But I kind of I kind of like that. Like I always feel every time I go to something Christmassy, I always feel like it's a little too reverent or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it doesn't doesn't have to be Your shows are celebrational. I mean, it's a celebration of Christmas. Right. You know, like we're my wife sometimes is funny like that like you know, maybe you should add a little more kind of reverent in there. You know, these are talk, <laughs> but you know, we were working up angels we have heard on high for our for our tour this year. Oh, cool! And I mean, I just love that song. But I mean, the song we, I mean, the version we play is very like, it's just joyous. I mean, these are. I think it goes along with my, you know, if we're kind of delving into Mormon culture a little yes, bit. Yes, absolutely. It goes along with my same thing that I think about the hymns, like. For some reason, we've devolved into singing hymns as like they're like every hymn we sing is like we're singing at a funeral. Exactly. Yes. Like I don't I've, know what I don't know what happened like along the way to like that we just decided. I mean, you, you realize? I mean, this is just like a music kind of nerd thing for me. You realize in the in the book, there's like a tempo written, right? Yeah. So if you break out a, like a little metronome, you mm-hmm. know, on your phone, you can download them, whatever. You oh, check. You check the the tempo. No, we are mostly, I would say 90% of the time, not, I mean, 95% of the time, not in that parameter. And I would say 70% of the time, far below that amount, wow. not, not even close. So I'm saying like, we're singing stuff really slow. And I don't really know where that came from. I, I did get asked by the um, choir director in my ward to fill in as the, you know, whatever, the chorister at the front of the, yeah for one week. And I was like, well, I can tell you one thing. We are not going to be singing these hymns slow. And I did not slow down. For If anybody is listening that was in the meeting, they can laugh out loud that I mean, it, was, it was like moving, baby. And I got looks that people, look, people were looking up like, what, what's going on here? And I'm just thinking to myself, we have become so accustomed to singing these so slow that when we hear them the right speed, it seems like we're singing crazy. See, and I think that that happens on a ward level, you know, where we're not musicians, you know, so the ward all do the best that they can. Yet when you go hear the Mormon Tabernacle Choir sing, they're peppy. I mean, they 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 jump into it. There are a lot of the songs we've been to see, we've been to see them uh, perform many times and they'll do it the right way. And then... I noticed Gladys Knight one time uh, in an interview, she was talking about it. She said she got to the church and she, you know, the song says joyous or whatever. And then there's the whole ward just singing. Oh, yeah. It's so I think that I think we have room where we can sing and enjoy more. And the reason why this is kind of like, I I should, like, I don't know, I need to figure out how to, like, I need to write a letter or something. Or next time I'm, next time I've got something where one of the general authorities just happens to be there, which sometimes happens playing music, then I'll be like, okay, buddy. Let's talk. We got to pep this. Yeah. So the reason why I think is because we don't, you know, a lot of times we don't sing, you know, or we're just kind of like, eh, eh. yeah. The reason why is because 
It's so boring. But we, we have three or four hymns every time in our meetings, which means that we think they're very important. Right. So yeah. if they're important and they're a song to Heavenly Father and a way for us to, you know, sing praises, then we need to like, I think, you know, you know, give it a little more chutzpah, you know what I mean? So this is a challenge for the Latter-day Lives audience. The challenge is to go to your ward and to sing, because we, we've got some people in our ward who really sing with that joy and you hear them stand out and that's always nice. I actually lip sync. All of our hymns. That's a true story, Ryan. I am such a bad singer, and I've been told for so long I'm so bad that I literally sit and lip sync. I feel like I've got to wait until the next one. So now we have a challenge for you to stop doing that. (laughs) No, if you heard me sing, you would challenge me to start lip syncing again. But uh, but I, I do think that there should be more joy in our hymns, you know, because music is beautiful. Well, I think we need to... The reason why I think it happens is because if we're all singing happy birthday and we're like, all right, let's sing happy birthday. Happy <laughs> birthday. See, then nobody is like, it's not like you're going to jump in there and be like, this is so fun to you. It's like yeah. just way too slow. Yeah. So if we can pep it up and get sure. it at least in the right range, right? then I think, I mean, I mean, let's just, why don't we just like take a year in the church and sing the songs too fast? How about that? For oh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, don't you think like if you're shooting for a tempo that if you the, overshoot in, it, then the error should fall. Like sometimes just sing it too slow, sometimes just sing it too fast. I would almost bet you know money that we never sing anything too fast. Mm. Maybe, maybe accidentally on sure. occasion, but uh, that's great feedback. But anyway, that's, that's my, fun. That's really fun. That's oh, a little. That was... I liked I liked this part of the conversation. It's kind of fun, right? Because, so I got to ask: Is your wife musical? Um, you know, she claims she's not, but she's actually a pretty good singer. Yeah. Um, you know, because her family, you know, they kind of all sang, and sometimes how, they sang in sacrament. So I think that they're I think that they're pretty musical. Yeah. How did you meet your wife? Um, I met her. Um, I had a friend. Uh, well, I was in a a, a singles ward uh, when I was kind of in college age, you know, when I was down here, I moved down here after Weber State to, you know, kind of down by Provo. And then I was going to a ward there. And I met a, I just had a friend in that ward and she moved to uh, Denver. Mm. So then when our band was touring around, um, we went to play a show and I, so I called my friend and I just said, Hey, you know, we're, we're coming over there. You should come to the show, you know, bring some friends, you know, you know, just, sure, you know, that's just what you do when you're just, yeah. you just, just, you know, bring some people. It'll be fun. We'll, you know, go out to dinner after. And so anyway, she, so she brought uh, her friend, Ashley. And so that's kind of where we met. And so we, um, yeah. you know, I was like, oh, you know, Ashley seems pretty, you know, she's pretty cool. And so I started talking to her and she said, oh, well, I'm actually out here. This is where she's from, Denver. But she had come back home to do kind of like a, like an internship. Mm. And so yeah. she was like, oh, actually, I'm coming back out to school in a couple months. And so... Then when she came back out, um, you know, I just said, "Well, let's just, you know, let's 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 meet up when you come back out." And so then we just started dating, and the rest is history. And the rest is history. That is fantastic. Well, let's talk a little bit about the shows you have coming up because we want uh, we certainly want our listeners to be able to hear all this music that we've talked about. Now they've heard all about you. Oh yeah. Um, we've got first of all, there's some special things. Tell us what you're doing with Light the World. 
Well, Light the World is like a service initiative where they're trying to get people to do more service for people and be more mindful of that during the holiday season, right? We and could all use that. Yeah, and I think it's a really good, uh, you know, and I think they're trying to make it a little, you know, just non-denominational, meaning don't get too hung up on it being driven by any particular religion. Just go serve people. Yeah. And so they're encouraging people to, you know, use the hashtag when they post something up like Light the, light the World. And that's kind of the way they're going to try and spread, you know, the good word of service around. So uh, I think it's a really good thing. And that's why, um, you know, we kind of started, we jumped on board with it because I think it's a really good thing, uh, especially around, uh, you know, all all year round, of course, but during the holiday season, you know, there's probably a lot of people that, you know, don't have family or maybe just feeling left out. And then you get doing all these, you know, these family things and, you know, some people might feel like they're getting forgotten, you know, so... I think for sure, you know, and especially because of the meaning of the holiday season, you know, the birth of Christ and all the, you know, the gifts we've been given, the salvation, and that we should, you know, give back to people. So I think it's, you know, particularly relevant to the holiday season. So oh, of I course, think, yeah. So I think it's really good to just kind of create awareness. And I thought it was actually kind of an interesting thing when I got a call from, you know, uh, John over at the church that John Dye was helping out with this campaign, and. uh He's the one that hooked up us for this, us, yeah. this, this, this podcast. Yeah, so he just said, yeah, we're just doing this campaign. We're just trying to spread the, you know, light the world. And all we're trying to do is get people to do more service. And I was like, oh, that's like really awesome. Yeah, that's isn't a, that neat? Yeah, that's really cool. So, so you know, we're going to do some kind of shout outs on our, you know, social media and Facebook. Just say like, go do something for someone, you know, uh, you know, take a picture, you know, and then post up light the world just to kind of spread that that goodwill and the church is releasing a calendar which has scriptures i love the way they're doing this is rather than saying uh which we've done in the past it's also very cool which is go do this or go do that on these days instead there's a scripture to inspire you like thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself or i was sick and ye visited me and you take one of those scriptures and then you apply it and you decide how you're going to apply it and then you post hashtag light the world so you're doing some shows to bring attention to all this coming up. You've got some some cool Christmas shows coming up. Yeah, what we're doing is we're going to, you know, kind of try and encourage those people to do those things. And then at the show, you know, we're going to kind of do a shout out and tell people at the intermission, you know, think of what you did or make a commitment to go do something for someone and, and, and post up Light the World and, you know, spread it around. So that's what we're doing. It's awesome. I love the whole Light the World campaign and... Uh, you can check out more about uh, Light the World by going to mormon.org. There will actually be a lot about it on mormon.org. And if you search the hashtag Light the World on, on Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, whatever it is, social media, you can see what other people are doing and you can contribute. This is one of the things I love about it is that they've gotten a lot of high profile members of the church like yourself uh, to get out there and really promote it. But also everyday people can share what they're doing, and it's very searchable by, by checking hashtag Light the World. Uh, tell us, for our Utah listeners uh, coming up, where they can see you, Ryan. We've got a bunch of shows along the Wasatch Front. We're playing first uh, up in Ogden on November 25th. Uh, that's right after the Crazy Friday, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> so go shop till you drop and then take a nap and then come to our show on Saturday night after that. Uh, so that'll be really fun. That's up at Piri's Egyptian Theater. And then we're playing at the Provo Covey Center 
which is a great venue. That's on December 1st. That's a great, great venue. It is great. And then we're heading up to Aramo, Idaho, which is, you know, uh, there's a performing arts center there called the Marsh Valley Performing Arts Center. So we're playing there. Then uh, December, uh, after that, we're, we're playing in Logan. Uh, right now it's scheduled for December 9th at the Utah Theater. And then uh, 14th would be on uh, Ephraim. Wow, Ephraim, And yeah. we're playing there at the Performing Arts Center. Then the – no, 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 no. Sorry. 14th will be up at Zermatt. You know where oh, that's yeah, up, the up Zermatt in Midway? Midway. Yeah. Yeah, so we're playing there on the 14th. Then 15th is in Ephraim at the Performing Arts Center. Awesome. At, at the college. And then the 16th, St. George. Wow, so you get to get out of the cold and into St. George. Dixie High. That's yep, that's fantastic. always nice to just go down yeah. there and – just I'm going to I'm going to really encourage our listeners to go to your show. And the reason that I encourage you all to go see Ryan is it will make your Christmas joyous. I would call your music joyous, Ryan. I just I think it's it's it brightens the soul and it brings such a unique just beautiful celebration of Christ. And I I just think that that's an awesome event for people to go do. So. Well, we try and make it joyous. That's one of my things is I, I heard so many people saying, you know, like, oh, yeah, we go to this Christmas we go to this Christmas thing every year. And I say, you know, do you like it? You guys say, that's awesome. Well, we don't, we don't really like it. It's kind of boring. But, <laughs> you know, we've been going for a long time. And I'm always kind of like, but why would you go if it's boring? Come to our show. Our show is not boring. Yeah, having seen you perform live, I will tell all of our listeners, it is not boring. I, got, <laughs> I mean, it is really a fun, you cannot help but be dancing and I don't know where you get your energy from, Ryan, because you get on stage, you're just a firecracker up there. I mean, it's it's really impressive. Now, there is, you know, if you're worried about it being too crazy, it's not, you know, it's definitely fun, but we definitely throw in some Christmas message. You know, we've got a, sure. a little silent night, and we have an original song called The Gift, which talks about, mm. like, the true meaning of Christmas. And, uh, you know, we got some stuff like that. But yeah. overall, it's definitely yeah. a fun... It's you know, not raucous. It's not inappropriate in any way. It's very fun. But you do have some quieter moments, and it's just a beautiful... I, I think it's a great way to embrace Christmas. And, and it's good for the whole family. That's the thing. Yes. And that's what I think is mostly mostly unique about our band, is we're like a really good cross-generational band. Like, kids will like it, parents will like it, and grandparents will like it. Something for everybody to pull out of it. Well, Ryan, this was great. Fantastic conversation. Congratulations on all of your success. Thank we you. We will continue to follow, and to all of our listeners, get out and see Ryan Shoop. And if they want to hear your music, what's the best way for them to, to find you to listen? Well, you can always pull us up on Spotify. Of course, we're on there. But uh, if you want to see you know, all the records and kind of see all the different things and you know, learn more about us, ryanshoop.com is you know, awesome. There's pictures, and you, know, you can see our tour dates. And that kind of gives you a good scope of what we do. Ryanshoop.com gives you the full experience. And, uh, of course, we'll have show notes with links to all these things on latterdaylives.com under our show notes section, so you can go check it out there. Ryan, you are a just a fantastic musician and a great member of the church. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. My special thanks to my guest, Ryan Shoup. Check out Ryan Shoup and the Rubber Band. His music is awesome. I highly recommend listening to them, but even more so, check them out live. Their live show, their Christmas show is just incredible, and if you live near them, please, please go see them. So this week in my Latter-day life, I had an interesting experience. Uh, I am wrapped up, as I'm sure all of my U.S. listeners are, in thinking about Thanksgiving. It's coming up this week, 
And there's a lot of planning going into it. We're thinking about turkeys. We're thinking about mashed potatoes. We're thinking about company coming over. And I started planning some of the logistics uh, with my wife the other night. We were talking. I've got uh, several children. Unfortunately, one can't make it this year, but all the rest are coming. But I've got some older children who don't drive, and we're trying to figure out how to get them here, and they live a little further away. And man, it just started to get frustrating. And I found myself complaining about it complaining about trying to plan all this for Thanksgiving, even though I was so excited to have my kids back back home for a couple of days. But there I was complaining about Thanksgiving, and I got up this morning, and I read one of my favorite blogs. It's called Middle-Aged Mormon Man, and you can find it at middleagedmormonman.com, or if you search Middle-Aged Mormon Man on Facebook, you'll find it there. It's run by an amazing guy named Bradley McBride, and Brad is just an incredible writer. He's been running this blog for a long time. And this morning, I read his Thanksgiving, first Thanksgiving entry anyway. It's called Thanksgiving Gripes. Wait, what? And he talks about how he was planning his uh, Thanksgiving meal and how they were all going to sit out in the backyard. He lives in beautiful Arizona. They were going to sit out on the back deck and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And then he checked the weather. And it's going to be 88 degrees, almost 90 degrees on Thanksgiving, which is just amazing. And he started thinking, well, nobody's going to want to sit outside. And he started to let this weather get to him. Now, where would they sit and what would they do? And again, I highly recommend you check out the blog post because it's very well written. And uh, he caught himself. He says, well, wait a minute. Why am I complaining about Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is the opposite of complaining. And yet I fall into that trap. Oh, man, start complaining about a a holiday of gratitude. And the truth is, as Brad points out, that complaining and gratitude really don't coexist at all. They just don't. Um, They just don't work together. If you're complaining, you're not being grateful. And so this leads me to a challenge. (laughs) This is a challenge I'm taking on myself, and I challenge all the rest of you. I am doing what I'm going to call No Complaint Thanksgiving. And this is all inspired by Brad, the middle-aged Mormon man. So, Brad, thank you. Um, I am not going to complain about anything that has anything to do with Thanksgiving this year. I'm not going to complain about the food, about the logistics, about how I feel, about being tired. I will not complain about anything that has to do with Thanksgiving. I may think it, but I'm not going to say it. And I'm going to change my thoughts very quickly to having an attitude of gratitude. I'm going to be filled with Just gratitude, because that's what Thanksgiving is. And I challenge all of our listeners to have a no-complaint Thanksgiving. In fact, I'm going to point out some of my blessings, and on social media, if you follow us on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever, I'm going to put out a hashtag, no-complaint Thanksgiving. I challenge you to do the same. And even if you want to share something you would normally complain about it, that may sound like a subversive way to actually complain, but you're welcome to share that with hashtag no-complaint Thanksgiving. And that is what is going on in my Latter-day life. And happy Thanksgiving to you all. Uh, I am so grateful for all of you and your listening. Uh, without all of you, I would not have a podcast. And we every week, we just have hundreds and hundreds of listeners who tune in. And thank you. And uh, you give such great feedback. We love hearing from you. Again, we challenge you to go check out um, Light the World and the Light the World campaign that uh, Ryan talked about. And use hashtag light the world. And when you do, if you think to and you want to add hashtag Latter Day Lives or hashtag My Latter Day Life, then we can find you easily because we're always looking at the hashtag Latter Day Lives and 
and hashtag my latter day life. We love it. We love seeing it and we love all the support and we appreciate it. If you want to get a hold of me, I can be emailed at Sean at latterdaylives.com. That's S H A W N at latterdaylives.com. Remember, complete show notes, everything's available at latterdaylives.com. There will be links to Middle-Aged Mormon Man and to Ryan Shoup and to Light the World and to all these other things. So check it out there. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search for Latter-day Lives. You'll find us. And the podcast is available on SoundCloud, on on, uh, Apple Podcasts. It's available on Google Play Music, on Stitcher. Player FM, tune in pretty much anywhere you find a podcast. That's where you can find ours. If you really enjoy it, we'd love it if you'd share it with somebody, especially during the holidays, looking for something to talk about. Great topic for conversation with family. Share share Latter-day Lives with them. So I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. No complaint Thanksgiving. Have a wonderful time. Again, I'm so grateful for all of you. Thank you so much. And until next week, where we have an incredible guest coming in, I'm very excited about next week's conversation. Keep in mind that there is a great, big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it. Just not of it. Thanks for listening.